iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is The Ruck. It feels well, quiet in here today, and that's because there's no Jonesy in our company. Apparently, he is off starting a new co-investment with Nigel Ray this afternoon. <laughs> uh, that was a joke uh, for anyone who listened last week, and that will be the end of it. Uh, I'm Owen Slot. Uh, hello, Lawrence. Hello. How are you, Owen? Yeah, great. Um, uh, well, I was at Quinn's yesterday, which was cold and slightly unsatisfactory, but I think you've seen slightly better rugby over the weekend. Well, there's some, some brilliant games of, of Premiership rugby. It feels a bit odd that they're wedged in between four rounds of European rugby. So yeah, it's a sort the of a, season's strange, isn't it? It's isn't a it? sort of odd child out, really, isn't it? Um, anyway, I managed to get up to the East Midlands derby, which is always a uh, fantastic fixture. Unfortunately, this year... Um, depending on which side of the uh, the line or the or the boundary line you sit on. It was a little bit one-sided, but wonderful Northampton, which we'll get on to in a minute, and woeful Leicester, which we'll also get on to in a minute. And then I came and joined you at, at Quinn's, and it was a sort of a seesaw fixture, wasn't it? One way, then the other. And I guess when the music stopped, Quinn's were ahead. The best thing about the uh, Quinn's Gloucester fixture for me was... We've discovered what is Ollie Thorley's favourite Christmas carol. <laughs> and? Uh, well, well I, I don't want to ruin the suspense because we might get listeners going mm. right to the end of the podcast for that one. Um, well, it's too well, exciting he for was, words. He, he, was, he was very exciting, wasn't he? Two tries and, and probably one of the best players on the field. I think he looks brilliant at the moment. And, and his, his um, appetite for work as well. He, he doesn't stick on one wing for a minute. No, He's and I think they've, they've, they've got some, some very good wingers there. Great. And um, uh, sitting quietly in the corner is the, is the, 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 the new acclaimed boffin of rugby, <laughs> um, Alex Lowe. Oh, God, uh, we're not doing that again. You, well, it's stuck now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, if you were a regular during the World Cup, you'll, you'll know that Alex knows everything. Uh, we've got a quiz for Alex later. Just to, Do just we? To, yeah. Oh, okay. Can, can we just can we just cl- clarify? Is Stephen Jones getting some medical attention this week? Um, because he's, he's clear to got some sort of problem with his mind and brain. Because uh, <laughs> you know he seems to think that he's uh, he's read the report, which is uh, obviously super confidential, and clearly keeps regurgitating the same old nonsense week in week out. So uh, uh, he's, he's just off with Nigel, as we said. Yeah. He's uh, editing it for the for the umpteenth time. Now, Alex, we will go to a quiz because everyone loves the quiz. Okay. But just for the moment, knowing everything, you probably know who's going to be on Eddie Jones's new coaching staff. <laughs> I'm not sure even Eddie knows that. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I don't think even Eddie can. Is it, is it, can can, can I just be clear, Alex? He, he, obviously, Steve Borthwick has made his intentions clear that he wants to leave, but he cannot leave until they find a replacement. That's, yeah, that's um, an understanding of it. Because Leicester you know, can't really do with his services quick enough, if I'm, if I'm perfectly no, honest. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Leicester, Leicester desperately need him. But Steve Borthwick is on the staff at the RFU now. He's not even on, the, on a contract. And I think England and, and Eddie Jones' 
knows that Borthwick needs to move on and wants to move on, but he's not going to release him until he knows who he can bring in his slate. And, and the issue when you look around the world is, is or even certainly around England, it, it, who who are the available and suitable forwards coaches and attack coach now he's lost Scott okay. Wisemantle too. Mm. Mark Johnson's mobile number, I've got that one, if, if Eddie Jones needs that. And a scrum I mean, coach. He's that'd a be quite coach. good, wouldn't it? Assuming that he keeps the same set, the same kind of yeah. style of, of backroom team. I and mean, Eddie ran the attack. Yeah. For the first couple of years, um, and then Rory T came in briefly, and then Will Greenwood would be a good attack coach yeah. as well. Actually, well, I mean, you I mean, were at Northampton. Uh, Sam Vesty's done. He used to run our attack um, for uh, the best part of about six years, so uh, don't, re- don't really understand why <laughs> someone like that wouldn't be sounded out for. He has been in. I mean, hasn't he, you know, he's yeah, he's been in because he's he, been he, in. he coaches Maidenhead, and he likes to sort of you know, I, I yeah. that, stay as Eddie Jones's mate. But yeah, I mean, I, th- you know. I thought two or three years ago that Will was paving the way for a, yes. a, a more of a move into coaching. I mean, he did the he did the Barbarians, yeah. he, he's, he coaches Maidenhead, doesn't he? I mean, he would be, without having been involved in rugby, he'd be perfectly capable of picking that up quite quickly because, you know, he's still coaching a very, you know, obviously at Maidenhead, he's, he's very much understands the England setup because he's been in there quite a few times. And if I was in that position, I'd, I'd certainly consider him as an option because, uh, no disrespect to some of the young up and coming England coaches, but, you know, they don't have the IP that he, that he has as a player and in terms of uh, what he did. So why not? So, so that's interesting. So in the last week, Wales have announced. Warburton as coming in as a as a, a ruck coach or yeah, break, break down I think yeah. Consultant, yeah. <laughs> and Martin Williams going in as the team manager yeah. and I, I, Lawrence you must be almost bored of asking this question but it just seems you look at 2003 and you always go well surely more of them should could should have, uh, I don't know if you were encouraged or, or not encouraged or but but as you say intellectual property you lot have got yeah, it and I, and I agree and I, look Conor O'Shea has just been made back he's just come back into the RFU setup as maybe a direct replacement for Nigel Melville, who's stepping down. And you, you always wonder whether they... Th- there's never really been conversations amongst that group in, in 03 as to, look, is there a way that we can get you into you know back into rugby, into that pathway, you know whether it be coaching at lower level, just so we can, we can have this succession plan? People in the RFU might argue you need to make yourself available, but I think it's a two-way conversation. I would say so. And, you, you've uh, just you won know. a World Cup. You might be helpful to us. Yeah, have... I mean, I, I, I think it's, it would be a shame if all that IP was left, you know, because... It, it, it's fairly powerful. It's quite strong, and you see these other teams, you know, doing it. Nigel Williams, as you say, uh, Nigel Williams, Martin, Martin Williams. Beg yeah. your pardon, but I do think that, that 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 clearly, if you appoint a head coach like Eddie Jones, it's 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 his remit as to who he decides then to bring in, and and any successful coaching team is always around the alchemy of 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 getting the right people involved, and uh, you can call them head of breakdown or defence or whatever you want to call them. It's it, it, it's it's that kind of uh, mixture of roles really that counts. I suppose he has gone some way down that road, Eddie. I mean, he had he brought George Smith in as a as a breakdown mm. consultant when George Smith was at, at Wasps. He's got Richard Hill as his team manager. Mm. He's got Johnny working with the kickers. I mean, he, he's gone. He's gone some way down that yeah. down that road, and he's got John Mitchell, who's 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 a sort of a, a coach from from the, the bridges, though you know those those mm. eras very much. He's coached in England, etc. So, are you serious? You you mentioned Jono. Uh, do you, could do you think Jono could? Put a tracksuit on. I mean, he, well, you know, I think, he's I think not going to be the head coach, but but running the forwards or something. I mean, could, would he just slip into that easy? I don't think he would slip into it, but I think that there's a role that Jono can play within a team, either as a selector or a, a sort of a, a sounding board. But he's been burnt so badly by the RFU. Whether he would, you know, come back at, at, uh, at their request is is another matter. But uh, uh, you know, for someone 
that I know very well and understand his brain in terms of what he his input into rugby. It seems a shame that England have invested eight years of uh, of uh, experience into him, paid him for eight years, and, and, and made him the England coach, and then that person then just walks away from the game. It just seems very odd, doesn't it? Um, well, so but then is you it, know, is, a, lot, a lot of what the RFU do, do, you know, but he's very fast on a bike. Doesn't have logic, you know. But I think so. Anyway, listen, I think he could have a role to play. Will Greenwood. There, there's lots of others, as you say, but. How, how different? So we're talking about the stars of 2003 mm. who, who have been around the game but aren't coaching on a day-to-day basis. Certainly with Martin since he, mm. since he left. Will isn't, is coaching Maidenhead, uh, yeah. Maidenhead, kind of grassroots level but not elite level. There's often a, a debate as to whether the international game is so different from the club game that, that, you, that what you do in the premiership doesn't necessarily prepare you for... For test rugby, is that sort of what we're talking about here? That actually there are there are people who might be better suited to help in England than than would work in, in the Premiership. I mean, the successful Premiership coaches at the moment, like an Alex Anderson or a Ali Hefer, you know, I'm talking below DOR level. Yeah, um, people would look at them as having made a big difference at club level. But is test rugby? Different and it requires different. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, yes, it, it is different, and it does require a few little tweaks and changes, but but not n- not wholesale changes. And I mean, Alex Arneson again is another one that I know Eddie Jones is is um, you know uh, off, has often gone to Saracens, you know, either for players or, mm. or something else because he you know it's his it's his go to club. But mm. I'm not sure Saracens would let Eddie uh, would let uh, Alex Arneson go, but he would be. A, a very popular choice because he already runs the core of the of the team anyway. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, and he understands the uh, you know the, the 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 dynamics between those players. But you're right. You know, look, there's going to be a lot of new coaches uh, for the Six Nations across all the countries. As previously mentioned, we are missing Jonesy, which mm. and we're feeling sad about that. Um, but he did have um, one um, very characteristic, almighty rant in the Sunday Times yesterday, which I think was worth uh, worth having a conversation about. I mean, he, he had a he had a big blast at Eddie Jones's book. He said Eddie's making his observations about the landscape of English rugby and how it's still um, uh, very classist, um, and that and how that was a problem. Um, blending people from different backgrounds together. What do you two think of that? And I know Lawrence, you got a particular view on. There was another element of the book that um, that didn't sort of uh, sit well with you. Well, I mean, listen. First and foremost, I need to just put on the record that I'm a fan of Eddie Jones. I'm not suggesting that you know that I'm a critic of his. Uh, I think he's done a wonderful job with the England rugby team. Um, he was 80 minutes away from from replicating what we managed to do in 2003. And he delivered a masterclass in terms of the performances right up to the final. So even though we lost the final, it was a very satisfactory World Cup. Um, So that aside... The, the subject of book, writing books is one that I know well because I released my own book, the, you know, uh, two weeks after I'd retired from international rugby and um, was was somewhat critical. Or you know, books only sell serialisations in newspapers if there's something interesting to discuss. If there's nothing interesting to discuss, the newspapers, let's be honest, are not interested. Who so, did you kill in your book then? Uh, well, just the whole setup of the of the 2007 World Cup and the oh, right. the kind of um, you know from tragedy to almost triumph <laughs> was uh, was was bizarre, but. It's always going to create a little bit of sensitivity around around um, the squad, and we actually discussed it as a group in two thousand and three, and said, you know, is it acceptable that we all have newspaper columns? Is it acceptable that we all write, you know, books about each other, um, and then they get published in the newspaper? And I think what we what we eventually agreed, and this included the coaches as well, yeah. is that as long as you didn't say things that were derogatory, defamatory about each other, um, or, or you perhaps didn't, you know. 
share closely guarded secrets. It's probably similar to the SAS. You know, they've had a big fallout, haven't they, when ex-servicemen leave the SAS and then suddenly tell all about, you know, some, yeah, some, some yeah. of the most sort of sensitive information. We ended up coming up with a sort of a, a structure whereby, you know, we agreed what was acceptable and what wasn't. And then uh, we went out to, you know, that. And I think the idea that if I was going to write something about my teammates, that I would let them read it prior to it going into the newspaper, I think was okay with me. Because if you're not prepared to say it to their face, then yeah. that's fine. So... I just, I just felt with it, with the book that Eddie wrote. I get he he wants to sell a book, um, or he's decided to sell a book. It just felt like it was very close to the end of the Rugby World Cup final to be serialised in the newspapers and sort of quite critical of the Premiership, quite critical of individual players and the style and structure of rugby in this country. Mm. Now, I appreciate if he didn't say that, it, no one would be interested really. But it just didn't feel right, and I just wondered who at the RFU was overseeing that, you know, and allowing permission for that book to be written because this is not a coach who's finished his international career with England. He's still got two more years left on his contract. I think the book would have been better if it had come out at the end of it because I think his his opinions would probably have been sharper because I think he pulled some punches but yeah. for, for the reason that you're saying yeah. because he's still got to work yeah. with them but at the same time he had to throw a few and they don't go down so well my, I mean, my what I gather is... the, the players are, uh, weren't too happy about it because well, no, you are players, can't have a column and these the are players that he's got to continue to coach and yeah. uh, and therefore you know it does sort of slight, ever so slightly change the relationship now I like Eddie Jones when you, when you ask when you interview him or you speak to him or you hear him speaking he's very direct can be loose a little bit sometimes but that's f- absolutely fine you know we can all talk I can talk for Britain as well but it's just the way it, I just didn't feel that, that there was quite the level of control over that particular publication and I just wonder whether Bill Sweeney you know needs to get a grip of their modus operandi and just say you know this is how you know there should be a social media policy which I'm sure there is they, but it should be the same for the players as it is for the coaches there should be a policy on books I, I think be, Eddie had there were separate rules different rules for well, Oh, and, 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 and that's your question on yeah. who was overseeing it is I'm pretty sure nobody yeah. because nobody Eddie does what he wants yeah. at the RFU I mean, he, he, had, he was striking advertising deals in Japan that the RFU knew nothing about he was he was plugging products over the last few years that yeah. the RFU knew nothing about. He was doing jobs in Japan that the RFU knew nothing about. Yeah. He's the most powerful person there. And, yeah. and I, I do think it was a bit rich that to have one rule for the players and one rule for him. That's just a recipe for, for yeah. trouble, I think. And, and, and yeah, the players who often have had newspaper columns in the past are now not allowed to have yeah. newspaper columns, which yeah. is what we're referring to. And I think to. what we're saying is that I'm not, and I go back to this, I'm not being critical of him per se mm. but I mean if you don't have your wings clipped you're just going to crack on aren't you really and someone should be saying look I don't think it's a good idea that you know we're paying you a lot of money to be the England coach uh, you don't need to do this or, mm. or possibly you know would you you know we've got we've got all this going on so I just think that it's something that the incoming CEO Bill Sweeney who's now in, in post you know, if he's going to renew Eddie Jones's contract for another two years, so he's going to go for another World Cup, which it looks more than likely he will. I mean, Alex, our guru, will tell us more on that very <laughs> shortly. But um, he, Alex, he, what day is he going to sign it yeah. next week? <laughs> I but, think he already has. But, but he needs to. He needs to. Uh, he needs to put a bit of a framework and a structure around it. Uh, and if if that needs input from the senior players, then uh, then go and get it. Because if I was consult, you know, if you were a senior player in, in his squad, you'd say, well, if you're going to do that, then then we should be able to write newspaper columns as well. Well, well um, they've got a right to, to to feel dissatisfied, and I know that some of them do. But I, I also think that, that we're at the stage where what they'll earn from a newspaper column compared to their 
contracts these days, yeah. it doesn't really make much of a difference. No, I actually don't know why they would bother unless they're unless they're actually interested in getting into the but, but media think, when they, yeah, when but, they but leave. Also, there's a there's a there's a brand of English rugby that needs to be protected somewhat. There's a there's a brand of Premiership rugby that needs to be protected. There's enough people outside of England that want to have a pop at, our, at England rugby and and the Premiership rugby brand. They don't need people on the inside having a pop at it as well. So yeah, yeah, was, uh, and yeah. you know if I if I was in charge of that brand at the RFU, I'd be I'd be pretty disappointed. Is all I'm saying. Right, we, we need to talk about what we saw at the weekend. Yeah. Or, or you, can we try and put it into context a little bit? Can you see who's who's a likely winner of the Premiership at the end of the season? Because we're going to have a new winner. We're not. It's Saracens ain't going to win this mm. thing. I think we can confidently say that. I think there are two teams that that are sort of pushing out in front a little bit in terms of style and the way they're playing and their confidence. But there's so much to happen, and and teams can lose their way during the Six Nations when they lose lots of their international players. Thoughts on that, Alex? Well. One of those teams, I assume, you mean is Northampton. And I thought what was so impressive about them against the poor Leicester team is that they would have had some notice that they may be missing, may be missing three key players. In, in, but Dan Bigger, Owen Franks, and Courtney Laws pulled out of that team a couple of hours before kickoff. Those are three huge players for yeah. them. Two of whom will be missing in the Six Nations, as, as you just referred to. And yet, James Grayson steps up. And, you know, plays to, you know, to the manor born, just outstanding, and, and they didn't miss a beat. And they've got some young players coming through there. Rory Hodgson, another one who should have gone to the World Cup, who are playing this this attractive, but also really effective and sort of cutting edge brand of rugby under Chris Boyd and, and, and Sam Vesti, their attack coach. There aren't many teams, I don't think, who could lose those three players shortly before kickoff and still produce as emphatic a performance mm. as they did, it's particularly in a in the sort of the, the heated environment of a of an East Midlands derby, where and, and you know I, this wasn't the kind of ding dong battle that mm. th- that we love to watch down the years mm. with you know, Tom Wood and Tom Youngs going at it and and um, and those sort of things, but but this was Leicester who are should be fighting and hurting and it should have been tough. And I just thought Northampton were imperious. I thought James Grayson is is rapidly becoming a really, really impressive uh, fly-off. Yeah, I mean, Northampton are a breath of fresh air this season. I think yeah. uh, for anyone who, who saw their progress last year under Chris Boyd, um, it, it's got similarities between Warren Gatland, who took over Wasps many years ago in 2001, and they was, we finished seventh in the Premiership that year. But he, he came in at the back end of the season and he mm. got a good look mm. at the squad. And then he he made some changes for the following year, and we ended up winning the title the next year. And Chris Boyd has come in; he's he's really assessed the the uh, the Northampton squad and recognised that he ma- needs to make some fundamental changes. And one of those is not to be over reliant on the international uh, players, which you know clearly <laughs> the weekend demonstrated that. But also the likes of you know some of the pro- the players that were previously there. Um, he seems to have freed them up. Um, you know, he comes with a huge amount of experience. He's won two Super Rugby titles. He, he's created this freedom. They don't have possession for very long. In fact, they're the, the team that, that hold the ball for the least amount of time, and they make quite a lot of mistakes. So, but they're, they're they're allowed to do that. You know, they're given that ability to go out and play, and I think that's been you know nothing short of uh, of, of giving them that confidence. And and I, you know, interestingly, they made the playoffs last year. But they only won six out of eleven home games, so they're creating a much more of a of a of a fortress at Franklin's Gardens because it always used to be quite a difficult place to play. And I think you know they will 
at least make the playoffs, if not better. There's still a few question marks in their, in their forward pack. What he's done is he's created a style of rugby that suits the players they've got. They used mm. to try and take people on up the middle with these big forward runners. They haven't got that power in their yeah. team. So what he has looked at is he's looked at their outside backs and the likes of Collins, Naivoro and all these wonderful players. And then he's brought in Matt Proctor from, from, the, from the All Blacks, one cap for the All Blacks and brought him over. They play rugby by, by beating people on the edge and getting the ball to the, you know, to the wide open spaces. And, yeah. and it's, you know, listen, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. There'll be tougher times ahead, but, uh, you know, so far they are the team. And then the other team I would just highlight is Bristol. I think they're, they're for me, the two revelations this season for, for fans have been Bristol and Northampton because they're occupying, you know, two of the top four spots. And obviously with Saracen's, uh, you know, temporary... Um, demise down the bottom end of the table uh, obviously we mustn't discount Exeter Chiefs who well, Exeter would still be your, your favourites Exeter, yeah. Exeter without doubt the favourites because they've been there for the last few seasons yeah. they've, they've got yeah. the trophy they've worn the t-shirt yeah, and, they, know, uh, they know what, what and they, actually since their European do. campaign has got underway you know they look mightily impressive in the last few weeks for sure your point about Northampton making mistakes just reminded me of a conversation that I had with Tom Wood at the, towards the end of last season in fact I think it was semi-final week where we were talking about mistakes and how there's a freedom in training to to, to push the envelope and mm-hmm. and in mistakes are almost encouraged because it it allows the players to to, to free up their thinking but but also push themselves mm-hmm. to the to the limit of so they they know what you know where their their, their skill set takes mm-hmm. them and we were talking about a, an NFL quarterback who in the off season was was being picked off for interceptions regularly in the, in their training camp but the reason was he was being encouraged. To, to try the hardest throws he could so he knew where where the limits were and, and Tom Wood was saying that's one of the big things that Chris Boyd had had brought in I think the other point you made about him assessing his 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 squad is um is spot on because you know Jim Allen did a lot of a lot of good things at that club but by the end it felt like his his thinking was just clouded by the pressure mm-hmm. of trying to force results Lewis Ludlam is 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 the, the classic example Malander just never picked him he couldn't bring himself to take the risk of picking the the promising mm. youngster who might make a mistake or two because he's raw. Mm. He you know he he felt he had to stick with the old guard uh, and I understand that that pressure. But Chris Boyd came in with a fresh perspective on the squad and and saw the talent and with and with a new environment and a sense of confidence um which which has imbued the way they play and that mm. sense <clears throat> of freedom and and a and a an encouragement to to, to go for it, yeah. um, someone like Lewis Ludlam has. has the, the other thing they've got is they've got an attacking shape which they work on every single week, and that's something that I remember from my own days. You you need to have a shape and a structure, that, a pattern, if you like, in attack that you go back to. Eddie Jones talked about attack takes a really long time to coach, and it does, but. It takes a lot longer if you spend hours and hours on your set piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, you look at Northampton's attacking structure and it looks really organised, a bit like Wales, a bit like some of these other teams. They know exactly where the ball's going uh, and they know who's going to sort of source the rucks, who's actually involved and, and, and byline. And then it doesn't matter if you lose 260 caps an hour before kickoff, the, the, the three players coming in have got, you know, they may not have, have that international experience, but they know exactly the structure and shape of the team in attack. And I dare say, if I turned up at Saints training, I reckon they spend more time on their attacking shape uh, and their pattern than they do anything else. They've also got players that are that that you seem to you know Kiwi coaches are very good at raising the lowest common denominator. You know your superstars will always perform well, hopefully, and if they don't, you drop them. He's got that ability to get the best out of players who 
maybe have been delivering five or six out of ten, and then suddenly you raise that to to nine or ten out of ten. Naivoro is a classic example of that. You know, he was playing okay last season, yeah, yeah. moments of brilliance. I mean, he his his individual stats were were more than the entire Leicester team put together. When he said to me before kickoff, uh, uh, Chris Boyd, he said. I'm a bit concerned we've just lost 260 caps out of the team. He said, I'm, we're going to have to get 5 or 10% more out of everyone today. And my word, did he get that. I thought Br- Bristol, I mean, they've played some great rugby so far this yeah. season. They looked <clears throat> to me yesterday to be the, the classic team at the start of a journey. Like they were, they'd come off, uh, was it 36 nil against Breve the week before? Buoyant, top of the table. And then they just misfired in certain areas. And they were, the, the, the halfbacks weren't weren't consistent enough and they, they looked they looked like a team with promise well they looked like the team that they are a, a club that's building something um, and obviously the, the distraction of Rodrigo coming in and the excitement that, that generated in the week and and, um, and all the talk of, of this five year project they played to me yesterday like they're like where they are quite early in that in that project but there are in Harry Thacker was just sensational again so, on the floor and with the ball in hand and, and I just wish he was slightly bigger because I'm not sure whether you'll look at him um, but what a player he is. So listen, if, it, if it's not going to be London Irish, and if it's not going to be Worcester, then who 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 actually is going to go down? Because we all seem to be saying, oh, Saracens are, are definitely going to catch up. But if, if those teams at the bottom, Leicester, Wasp and Bath, the teams at the bottom of the, of the table, they've all got enough quality in them to win a number of games. If they, if they carry on winning a, a few games... That, that none of them are the sort of like the sick man of Europe who have got a weakened squad or anything. If they get it together, then the bottom end of the Premiership is going to be higher than it's ever been before. Yeah. So might it actually be hard for Saracens to catch up? Or do well, you think at the do moment, one of those will actually just um, end up tripping themselves up and not, well, never getting it together? Your your point about winning is is an, the only team that's winning down the bottom is Saracens at the moment, and uh, and and looking at their squad uh, and the teams that they put out, I think it's fair to say they're probably going to continue to win their fair share of games. Um, personally, uh, you know, and I say this with no great pleasure, you know, Wasps uh, need to pick up some wins. I mean, they lost... I mean, in fairness to them, they've had a tough fixture list. They lost their first game of the season to London Irish, which was critical, yeah. uh, at home. Uh, but since then, they've been away to Gloucester, away to Sale, and away to Exeter. And I'm not sure that even at their best, those were games that they were probably likely to win. So they've had a, a, a slightly tough start. But they are very much locked in a in a battle with the likes of Leicester. Um, but I think even after five games, you've got to somehow put the, the the word relegation out of your head and just say, look, let's look at the next five fixtures um, and where you know can we pick up, as you say, two or three wins? And then all of a sudden... It does start to become a lot more interesting. But I'd say the clubs uh, that probably, or the fans that need to start worrying and, and you know, batten down the hatches now, even after five games, Leicester for sure, I think Wasps for sure. And, um, you know, and Bath really, because I'm not sure Bath are out of it, even though they, they, uh, they picked up a, a couple of wins. Well, the, the problems for Leicester and, and Bath is that if, they might start building a bit of momentum, but as soon as you get into the Six Nations, you, I mean, Leicester in particular, you take away... You take away Ben Youngs, possibly George Ford, definitely Manu, Johnny May. Then, then that's that's the cavalry gone, isn't it? And 
and then you, and then where are they going to get their wins? Bath also have a, a fairly strong England contingent, and Wasps less so. So Wasps mm. have a better chance in that phase. Well, I, mean, I think Leicester have got some decisions to make, haven't they? Because I felt for Jordan Murphy after the game, he, he just looked as 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 desperate and distraught and as low as I've ever seen him in a post-match interview. Quite clearly hurting from from that, but you know it, it's very hard to put up any uh, any reason why they were so bad. Mm-hmm other than they just didn't really understand what they were doing. And he chose, you know, rightly or wrongly, in this case it appeared wrongly, to bring back six England players straight into their structure. And unfortunately, that, that there, there remains the problem. You know, you had a, a player like Manu Tuolangi who, who, who spent the whole day waiting for something to happen as opposed to going out and making it happen. Yeah. And, and when you bring international quality players back into a, uh, a system and a structure that's, that's, that's not as sound as it could be, you, you, you kind of see, you can't just expect them to sort of, you know, be the magicians to turn it around. And, you know, if you flip that on its head and look at Saracens, they brought back six or seven international players and they immediately were able to click into gear and they all perform magnificently well. And, and there, I think, lies the problem with Leicester. It's not the international players that are the issue. It's what gets left behind. And they really need to work hard on creating, recreating that identity, that shape, that structure, so that whoever comes in and out the team is able to fit in a bit more seamlessly than they are. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. This is the um, Alex Lowe knows everything segment of the of the podcast. Quick question answer, uh, Alex. Uh, Wales said goodbye to Warren Gatland uh, at the weekend. He's he's got on his plane and gone back to New Zealand. How did they honour him? Well. They honoured him by naming a gate after him. Although they did want to, they did want this to be his last game in charge of Wales, and he actually said no. I, it should be Wayne Pivat's first game, so maybe that was also an intended honour which he turned down. But yeah, sorry. Anyway, a gate, yeah, not a statue, a gate. not a statue. Prime ministers get airports yeah, named gate. after them. I thought it was a slightly. I odd. thought gate was a bit disappointing. Lawrence, Sta- you got any stand would be better, you? wouldn't it? Gatlin's Gate. This, uh, yeah. <laughs> is that supposed to be a play on words? What? Well, Gats, Gates, I don't know. Gats, go. No, right. Well, he, listen, he, deli- he, he delivered three um, three Grand Slams and, you know, he, he's been instrumental, really, in, in, in Wales's rugby history. And I think, uh, certainly, if you ask the fans, I'd have, I'd have gone out to the fans and said, well, you know, what do you, how, do you, how do you think we should remember Warren Gatlin? Because, yeah. uh, you know... A stand the- more than a gate, I would have given him a yeah. stand or a statue. Yeah, absolutely. Or um, an airport. Um, uh, which gate was it? <laughs> Four. It was gate number four. The, Brilliant. Is that the one on the corner, I think, near the meeting? Yeah, your favourite gate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, which club has taken over from Gloucester this season as the most South African team in the Premiership? Oh, We've sale. already had that. Sale. Okay, but more to the point, how many South Africans started from at the weekend? It was like half the team, was it? Seven? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and how did that backfire? Uh, horribly, because they lost. Because yeah. one of them got sent off. Oh, one, one of them got sent off. That's that's right. Right. Yeah, Laura, Laura, well, Lawrence, you got one point. Well, how, how, you can answer how low can well. you go? Is that the name of the quiz? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Israel Folau is claiming legal damages from uh, Rugby yeah. Australia, as we know. He raised his claim last week from 10 million Aussie dollars to 14 million, which is roughly 7 million pounds. 
What was his reason for raising Because somehow he suddenly had this notion that anyone would make a fullback of the team captain. I mean, I've got no yeah, idea. He said, he said you <laughs> owe me more because I was going to be I was going to be captain. I mean, do you realise that Lawrence <laughs> has got two points now, Alex? Captain and in charge of our social media protocol, I think would be the uh, would probably be the best way. <laughs> uh, but no, he'd be he'd be neither, and therefore, uh, yeah, that's good luck to him. Idea, good luck to, I think that's his dad, isn't it? That must be pulling the strings in the background. This is a, a real a real boffins question. Niall Annett of this is definitely for you. Then, this, is, this is Lawrence. Said. Uh, Niall Annett captained Worcester at the weekend. Why was that a significant fact? Because he is the sixth, sixth, I think, fifth, sixth. Unbelievable. Sixth different player to captain the club this season. You need to get out more, mate. You really do. <laughs> you definitely need to get out more. Six different captains, so they've got a strong leadership group, which may be why they're doing quite well. Uh, yeah, or they don't know who their best captain is. Okay, final question. Three of the four Welsh regions lost at the weekend. That's not so extraordinary. But was that really a surprise with so many of their best players on duty in the Wales Barbarian game? No, I think they'd probably lost anyway, wouldn't they? How can they have organised that game on the same weekend? Of, well, of because because those those regions accept it because the because they thought they were going to lose anyway. Well, no, because no, the, because the, because the money because they, the money. They, they, they get divvied up from the from the you know gate receipts etc etc. Once the barbarians have been paid, yeah. um, is uh, is sufficient and Gatlin's been paid uh, sufficiently <laughs> good enough really. Okay, well, final question: Is that ethically questionable? Uh, yes. It's not it's not great for the fans, is it? It's not great for your if you're a fan of one of those regions, um and I mean the fans understand it, but yeah, if but you're a fan of one of those regions And you're losing to Zebra yeah. and, and, and uh Cheetahs they lost yeah. to But also yeah. I get I get a bit I get a bit um miffed by the fact if you're a fan of a of an Irish province for instance and week after week you're turning up to games and you're seeing your academy play really yeah. um, and so, then but obviously for the European Cup you're seeing all your main stars back now, now maybe you've got to ask the fans whether they that, that they're acceptable but you know that that's basically what you get in the in, in for large chunks of the of the Pro 14 and that's that's the way it is the really, really uh, exciting news last week, um, uh, even more so than the the uh, the, the row on the ruck, uh, was um, uh, the new man coming to uh, Bristol Bears. So on Tuesday morning, Bristol announced that they had signed uh, the Fijian superstar Semi Radraja. Or that I've got the pronunciation wrong. It, all the all the D's are N's, aren't they? Ran, all the R's are N's. Randrandra. All right, let's just move on from that part <laughs> of, of part and and um, yeah. So so uh, it's astonishing signing. I started off a uh, a little debate in the Times. Uh, who's who's the most exciting signing uh, from outside to come into the Premiership? You, you you chimed in with Rob Howley. Which well, let's I just talk about let's just very... talk about that signing at the moment. The the Bristol signing. I mean, he, it, it's an incredible coup for Bristol. He is serious box office. You know, he he seemed a little bit disillusioned with his rugby union career, and all all, all the sort of signals were that he was returning back to NRL yeah. in Australia, um, and then. For them to 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 announce that is is amazing. And look, let, let's just say it, it it's X Factor, it's box office, it's a brilliant signing. He he can do things that very few rugby players can do. And to have him in the Premiership is is, is a big yeah, coup. Everyone wins. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge. Everyone's Ob- obviously, watching that. What what everyone was then asking, you know, given what's happening with Saracens, is how can they afford him? Well, the the first question is that the man who runs 
um, Bristol is um, probably got the deepest pockets of any of the owners. So if the salary cap was abolished, um, he'd probably be able to buy most of the best players in the world um, in the same way as Toulon did and, and have them in there. I don't think that's... He could actually buy the whole Premier I don't think that's he? for one second what he, what he plans to do. And yeah. I'm sure Pat Lamb has, has made it very clear as to how, they, how they've accommodated him, why they've gone after him as a player. Can Other- we just name him Steve Lansdowne, the owner? Yeah, Steve Lansdowne, the owner. say what fans of him as his we are. Yeah. And that we'd like to come to tea. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe we can have the same information that Stephen Jones appears to have uh, <laughs> as well. Lawrence uh, said we let it lie, but it's more fun well, to Well, while he's not here, let's definitely stick the knife in. There's exactly, nothing wrong with that. Exactly. But um, yeah. if you miss training, that's what happens. Yeah, never turn um, back. You don't get picked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, so, are they retaining the services of Charles Piertau at fullback? Um, they intend to. So, they're so, on the record. So, so one will be a marquee him. player, uh, and I'm assuming that will now be Madraja, yeah. uh, and the other one will be you know in the salary cap. But look, I mean, it's 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 a it's a brilliant signing, and uh, you know we're all excited about it, uh, as are I'm sure Bristol, and sort of you know Pat Lamb is is creating a, a a very good culture there in terms of you know they're they're very big big on family and love and all that stuff, and uh, you know it appears to be working very nicely. As are we on the ruck? I by think the it way. reflects really Every, well everyone on Pat out Lamb. there. There were very strong pulls taking back to the NRL, mm. and. Pat Lamb worked with him for one week before the Barbarians demolished, well, before Rodradra demolished England at, at Twickenham for, for the Barbarians. And, and that relationship over the course of that week w- w- was critical. And, mm. and actually, going rewinding to an early conversation, Pat Lamb would, would be brilliant um, on the England coaching setup. Mm. And not that I ever think he'll leave Bristol for that. for for a job with Eddie, but I think he'd be really good. Well, it goes back to, you know, look, Eddie is, is, the, is the England coach, so we're not, we're not speculating about his job in any way whatsoever. No. And I make that very clear, and it looks very clear to our guru and everyone else that, uh, that you know, he's gonna be, he's gonna, contract's going to be extended for another two years. But the simple matter is that the, I can't remember the last time there was a real process that was run to, to, re, to, to find the next England coach, oh. uh, and and and, it, and if there, and if there is a process, surely what you do is you 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 advertise the post, don't you? And you invite all the applicants, including the current in, incumbent, yeah. and you say, please present your vision for English rugby over the next you know three, four, five, whatever amount of years. Well, it there is. is a book to be written on the and, number of ways that England and, have gone about. And, I, you know, and, and if you and if you did that, you know, you'd flesh out the ones as Alex has pointed out, that actually want to coach international rugby and the ones that don't. Because, uh, you know, there'll be a mass of CVs from, from abroad, I can tell you that now. But it really, when you look at the Saracens coaching setup and you look at the Exeter coaching setup, you know, there's no reason... And, the, and now the Bristol coaching setup, and who knows, maybe even the Northampton Saints coaching setup, you know, without wishing to, to pull them away from, from, from their projects, that they're, they're, there's an argument that suggests that, that any one of those could... could should Eddie Jones not, you know, wish to take the the, the you know England forward, that would present very well. Uh, the key question is who do they present to, and who makes the final appointment? But to well, our side, say. on the redrawal, you said so. You said how Rob Howley. Well, I just think uh, if we look at the Premiership signings, I mean, how do you? Well, ha- say most exciting. Well, most well, exciting, yeah. but also most successful. How do you? I mean, well, they're two very different things. They're, they're I think Rob di- Howley t- ticks both those boxes. Yeah. You know, you, when when we're going, who are the best best foreigners, foreign players in the? In the Premiership, you, you go Shout Brits, you go Nick Evans, and those were the players when they came. Yeah, uh, there wasn't such a drum roll. Yeah, they've been brilliant. Sh- you know, Shout yeah, Brits has but, been superb. But, but this is Rajendra coming, and the drums. I don't think the yeah. drums have, have ever really been louder. You know. Yeah. No, well, I think I mean, we were. 
discussing when we. I, I, I mean, the the hype around Sam Burgess was enormous. Yes, and it failed. Yeah. Well, I think Jason I think, Robinson yeah. was was my Jason Robinson, yeah, because that was the hype around the excitement around him switching codes mm. was was enormous, and he then delivered yeah. magnificently. And, and so. also, you know, no disrespect, but Charles Piertau. I mean, Charles Piertau, yeah. what he delivered in his first two seasons for Wasp was yeah. sensational. Uh, he then went to Ulster and was their player of the year. He then came to uh, mm. uh, Bristol, and he's, you know, he's maybe not lit the touch paper quite as much as he did in well, his first two seasons. he was injured for most of the last season. But cer- he? certainly, so um, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a real excitement and a wow factor when, he, when, when the ball went up in the air and, and he caught it, you thought, something's going to happen. Can I bring the subject around to Christmas? Because it's, it's now the 2nd of December. And anyway, I was very excited about my post-match interview with Ollie Thorley yesterday. Uh, we discussed some, some serious matters. Uh, this is, so this is Ollie Thorley, the Gloucester wing, I spoke to after the uh, Harlequins game, which Gloucester lost narrowly, should have won Lawrence. We both agreed on that. And so this is what he had to say. First of December today. Yeah. We can talk about Christmas. It's official. It's officially begun, hasn't it? Okay. Yeah. So we can talk about Christmas. So we, your favourite Christmas carol? Uh, well, uh, as I think we discussed sort of the end of last season, wasn't it? Um, I'm a big in the bleak the winter fan, but it's got to be the Holst version. It's got to be the Gustav Holst version. Obviously, being uh, being from Gloucestershire as well, like you know, we've got to support our local uh, local musicians. And so you're sticking composers. to that. You're sticking to that opinion. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And, 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 and as I was just saying before before we started speaking, there's a there's there's a new version that's just come out from the Northern folk singer Kate Rusby. Oh, uh, really? Which is very good. Yeah. I think I think you need to get that. Listen. And are you doing that on the piano? If you if you worked out that at uh, home, I could do a very very basic rendition. Yeah. Very basic rendition. Okay. Yeah, we should get you on the podcast yeah. playing it yeah, next yeah, time. Maybe. Then. Well, yeah, let's make it happen. Let's make okay. it happen. But have you listened to the Harold Dark version? I, I, I have, but you know, it's not in the same league. You don't it? think it's in the same it, league? It's not in the same league. Man. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Right. Just, just for our listeners, I, mean, I think that's that significantly yeah. superior. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know that when it comes to carols, I always think it's the one that gets the, the people going that, that you know, you've got to support. And it's, it's the host that gets people going. So, Is there much carol singing in the Gloucester Club at the moment? Uh, at the moment, on the back of the last couple of performances, not. But, but over the Christmas period, we're going to try and convert it such that there's going to be lots of carol singing. So. What do you think is Danny Cipriani's favourite carol? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I heart the Herald Angels sing and they go for it. Re- I reckon he likes that. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence, you had a singing career, didn't you? Briefly, yes. Um, For those who don't know, just just fill in the gap. No, no, I did. I, I was a uh, I was a, a chorister at King's House School, and may have had a number one hit with Tina Turner. May have <laughs> sung in Evita on the West End stage, but I don't like to talk about it very much. But, but you are on but, the backing but, track. Of, but, but, of, but now you, Tina mean, Turner, now you mentioned you? it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm on the backing track um, along with twelve other young. Uh, choristers, but I think the reason it got to number one was probably down to Tina Turner, didn't you? Well, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, but I do. Yes, that's I do. Unusual modesty for <laughs> you, Lauren. <laughs> but uh, but uh, just just so we're clear, that the track was entitled "We Don't Need Another Hero," um, and it was the theme tune to Mad Max Three. And yes, I still receive royalties from that. Um, which, um, if the revenue are listening, do go straight to charity. Um, and uh, do you, yeah. how much do you get a year in royalties or something like that um, we wouldn't be over the salary cap put it that way <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no I, I, I do enjoy a good Christmas carol and just for the record mine is Once in Royal David City is my favourite Christmas carol there we go uh, Alex I heard um, karaoke singing in uh, Tokyo <laughs> and uh, he won't be bringing out a single um, but you're welcome to share with us your favourite Christmas carol oh gosh We Three Kings 
Oh, off the top of my head. Right. The, 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 uh, that, sorry, I was going to make a joke about the um, South African <laughs> Pro 14 team, but I didn't really... Right. Um, he's not here, but as Lawrence says, uh, we can't leave him alone or he's, he's, he won't leave us alone. So this is Steve Jones from... Where is he? Where, where is he? Where is he piped this in from? Normally from Datchet train station, where he normally gets stuck. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think it was this time. So this this is the the, the almost traditional uh, Jones moans. Uh, over to you, Jonesy, who we are missing. And here are my moans for this week. Number one is obvious. Many people have just come back from Japan and experience the sensational transport system with frequent trains always on time. And the whole thing topped off by the mighty Shinkansen, the bullet train. On Saturday, it was almost impossible to get to Northampton and back. I will not hear a word against the cause of the horrendous delays and logjams, namely the RMT union. In fact, if I had all their names and addresses individually, I would send them all Christmas gift vouchers for their magnificent contribution to make England feel as if it was back in the era of the horse and cart. Second this week, an attack on world rugby. At the World Cup, they gave us all shoulder bags. They were nice enough, but every single one was of exactly the same colour, with exactly the same markings, and completely indistinguishable from each other. This had the horrible effect. First, when I arrived back at my local station, I couldn't drive my car because the keys were in my bag in the house of the Telegraph's Gavin Mayers, well over an hour away. Gavin couldn't work at his Sunday game for the Telegraph. Yep, apparently the Telegraph was still going because Gav's laptop was in my room in his bag. Why, oh why, World Rugby? we not have a different colour from the kaleidoscope for each bag. And the third, over the weekend, I saw the replacement bench described in three different ways. I saw them described as finishers, I saw them described as game changers, and I saw them described as squad members. Coaches, for God's sake, you've dropped them all. They've not made the starting team. And remember, whenever you send on eight subs... They changed the game all right. It becomes far worse than it was before. Brilliant, Jonesy. Thanks for that. Replacements, substitutes, finishes. Um, we're all first pick in this in this room, so it's kind of irrelevant to us, isn't it? Indeed. Right, we'll wrap up with the traditional god or god- goddess of the week. Uh, Lawrence? Uh, I think the young Mr Grayson, who came in at the very last minute to play... Uh, and replaced Dan Bigger, and uh, I mean, chip off the old block. He, he was set, nothing short of sensational. He's probably the godson of the week, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know what you can. <laughs> he's he's so young, but he's so good, and he's a name to watch. So, uh, young James Grayson is my god of the week. Uh, I was going to pick him too. So for variety, I'll pick Harry Thacker, who I just really, really enjoyed watching for for Bristol yesterday. Do you think James Grayson is Matt Dawson's godson? I think he is. Yeah, oh, well, well done him. Well, I'd like to, if he is, I want to find out what Dawson gives him as a present because. Uh, <laughs> Would you don't yeah. think it's much? Well, no, I think he does. I think he probably does look after okay. of all his godchildren. I think he probably does look after Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to get it in the that's neck. That's a Christmas theme. Just remind Dawson, it's time to deliver. Uh, mine is uh, Debs McCormack, the Scottish Lock, 
out injured for 14 months, made a comeback at the weekend and returned for uh, an 18-0 victory for Harlequins over Waterloo. Fantastic. So we are. Thank you, boys. Great to see you. We'll be back again next week. Thank you, everyone out there who listens and downloads. Uh, back same time next week with Steve Jones and, I think, Stuart Barnes. And who else? I don't know. Too, too excited to say. Uh, this was The Ruck. Thanks for listening. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.